0: Behold, a gateway to your own past if
1: you wish. Who else reads books about submarines? My dad? Yeah.
0: History is
2: strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. The West Cocoa Pharmacy, this hour's sponsor, Bill McLive, on a Tuesday morning, the 11th of April, 2023. Thank you for taking your time, spending it with us here on 92.7 FM, WMMB. Glad you're with us for the Space Coast Morning Conversation. As the headline at BillMick.com says... Dave's back. Let's just real quickly go to Dave Bowman in Silverdale, Washington as uh, we've got another edition. one that's been missed by the way, Dave Bowman. For Dave does history. How you doing, pal?
1: I'm uh, I'm doing a lot better. It's been uh, it's been a really rough month, but uh but yeah, we're getting better. Sorry I missed last week. We'd really planned to do last week and then it just sort of fell apart the last second. You were seconds. under
2: the you, you were you went through some surgery. Yep. You had the the expected uh after effects thereof. And then you had a few others that kept you out of play for a week or two. So
1: yeah, I ended up with some complications, um gallbladder attack, slightly blocked intestines. I mean it's just been it's Lovely. just been fun. Yeah well see what happens when you change your diet from
2: the, you know the typical things that you would normally eat and now you're not and there you go.
1: Well it is a warning about antibiotics because the uh the antibiotics they had me on for the for the face surgery. Uh, we're just I guess they were just too strong. That's what the ER doctor was saying. And and when you combine that with not being able to eat solid food or anything, it just really created a lot of problems. So,
2: Well, it's good to have you feeling better. And I'm glad you're back. And, and we've been looking forward to your return here. We missed you while you were gone, pal.
1: I appreciate that. Hopefully my voice will hold out.
2: Yeah, you, you. on top of that, you're having voice issues today. There yeah. you go. W- wonderful. <laughs> What's on your mind as we get back to Dave Does History?
1: Today, Bill, is April 11th, which is a huge day uh, in the submarine fleet. We celebrate April 11th. This is the submarine birthday in 1900. So that's 123 years ago now. My math isn't okay. that fast. Um, the United States Navy bought... Its first official submarine, now they'd had submarines before, submersibles, but -hmm. this was the first time they'd actually bought a submarine that was privately built, but built for the intention of selling to the Navy. It was called the USS Holland, and she was a remarkable little craft going up and down and and launching torpedoes, and the Navy went, wow, that's really cool not only do we buy that one but then we ordered i think four more from the same guy John Holland said hey build us some more and he built a company called Electric Boat which still exists today in New London Connecticut building submarines and the the Holland was by all accounts very successful but it was just really the beginning of things and there will be parties and celebrations all week uh, An all month, all over the country, submariners will gather for submarine birthday balls and uh, things like that, where we will celebrate all things submarine, which is you know something that I really much enjoy. That's a pretty small fraternity,
2: and I mean it's it's large in the number of people, but when you consider the entire military, you guys who lived and worked in submarines, you're a special breed. Yeah, we like to think so.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> There, there, there are no average. You know, how long does it take an average sailor to become a submariner? An average sailor will never become a submariner. is kind of what we say. You got to be, mm-hmm. you got to be in the top percent. You know, there's a concept here that I teach a lot of, which I call uh, the binding, and and this has to do with submarines in the sense that you can take every submariner in the fleet right now, and you can take d- just pull one submariner off one submarine and say, okay who trained you to be a submariner? And then you could go to those people and say, okay, who trained you to be a submariner? And then you could go to those people and those people and those people. And it's all bound together in a way that's really unique all the way back. You could trace my submarine training all the way back to the guys who first walked aboard USS Holland in 1900. There's a certain level of, uh, like I said, I call it the binding together. For you can go all the way down from the very beginning to today and show how we have been trained and how we have been connected one to another. And there really is a connection. It doesn't really matter if you're talking to a, a diesel boat guy from the 50s right down to a Virginia-class sailor today. We have the same sense of humor. We have the same sense of, of mission and purpose. And we give each other a lot of crap about stuff, but at the same time, uh, you know, we, we've, we've come to earn that. And I think uh, that it started this day, 123 years ago. It's hard for me sometimes to accept, but at the same time, it's interesting to me how submarines do the same thing today that they did 123 years ago. We just have different technology and different advancements, and that's how we get to where we are.
2: Dave Bowman back with us with Dave does history on Bill Mick live Dave you start talking submarines and and the camaraderie and and the brotherhood that's there that extends beyond the American submarine fleet to sailor even of of submariners who are in enemy fleets. you've got that mutual respect and understanding that maybe nobody else gets
1: there is a lot of respect um in my time and I served during the cold War uh you never saw the Russian submariner as the enemy. You saw the submarine as the enemy, but not the submariner himself. One of the most remarkable experiences of my life, five years after I got out of the Navy, I had a Russian submariner sitting in my office, and we were just swapping sea stories. It was it was amazing that uh, you see things like that somehow, sometimes. Like Kirk
2: and the uh, Romulan commander played by Mark Leonard and was it Balance of Terror? Is that the name of the yeah,
1: episode? Some, something like that. Yeah. In fact, Balance of Terror is based on one of the greatest submarine movies ever, uh, The Enemy Below. Speaking of submarine movies, yeah, one of the greatest submarine movies, I want to tell you a little story here, which which sounds a little off at the first, but trust me, this relates. The movie is called Ice Station Zebra. It came out in 1968 and stars Rock Hudson and Ernest Borgnine and Jim Brown and just an all-star cast. It's one of the greatest submarine flicks of all times. If you see a best submarine films list, and it doesn't mm. have Ice Station Zebra, but it does have Crimson Tide on it, ignore that list.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: uh, the first time I ever saw it, I was in New London, Connecticut. I was actually at submarine school, and they encouraged us to go see it. So I went and saw it that night, and I was literally the only one in this theater, this huge theater in New London, Connecticut. I was the only one there. It was empty, and I, I, I was like, well, why is nobody here to see this? I didn't really understand it. Later, I would figure that out. Even to this day, as much as I love that movie, and I love it even more after I discovered it's based on a true story. um, There's a scene in that movie where, and, and remember this film was made in 1968, where there's an accident or an incident. It actually turns out to be sabotage and the submarine starts flooding and going down and the submarine is screaming down i mean it it's nose down it is it's sinking and they're doing everything that they know how to do to save the ship including uh, activating the uh the air blow system interior uh, where you try to blow the water back out after you seal the hull people are screaming uh it's a very disturbing scene i it's 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 one that even when I watch it today, Bill, I skip that scene. I just go, "Okay, we know this happened," and we move okay. on because because it's something that, as a submariner, and given the era in which it was made, it's hard for me to watch. And I and you know, I I joined the Navy in 1981, and it was hard for me to watch. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment in that in that scene where the ship is screaming down. You hear the turbines screaming in reverse, trying to slow things down. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. And there's a planesman, helmsman planesman. He's on the planes. He's got the the diving planes, and he's holding them up. And he begins to pray out loud, because the ship is very close to, if not past, test depth. And he's just sort of mumbling it under his breath. Dear God, uh, please forgive me, a sinner, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, just doing that. And the commander of the ship, played by Rock Hudson, Commander Faraday, in a moment that just To me, it's the best line in all submarine movies. Puts his hand on the guy's shoulder and says, Do you mind, son? We're trying to think. And that is really the essence of being a United States Navy submariner. We think through things. We we don't panic, which is hard to believe sometimes because some of the things that happen. Uh, I've been personally in an incident on a submarine that was, uh, you know, well away from port and underwater, a long way from home. And for the first five minutes of that, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. But you find yourself saying to yourself, "We got to think. We've got to. We've got to work our way through these things. Work the problem. Yeah. Work the problem." Uh, my my good buddy Brian Brody says, "Think. You know, it's it's not going to hurt you to think." Well, even in that, they managed to solve the problem aboard uh, the submarine. There, an ice station zebra. But reality is. Sometimes, you know, sometimes there is no solution to a problem. Sometimes it's just an insolvable, insolvable problem. And that is where we find ourselves yesterday on April 10th, 1963, five years before the movie came out. And a year before 19. Well, actually, just a couple of months before we would lose USS Scorpion. So you have this open wound in the navy right here on the screen and it's just a reminder that on april 10th 1963 uss thresher the nation's newest submarine was lost with all hands
2: and we'll dig into that next with dave does history on bill mclive stay with us on wmmb like you've never heard it. It's Dave Does History on Bill Mick Live. Thank you, Victor Lyle, the West Cocoa Pharmacy, making the hour possible. And um, and don't forget, coming up, starting with Glenn Beck, running through Sean Hannity, a chance each hour to win $1,000 in our inflation compensation contest brought to you locally by the Better Business Bureau. Dave Bowman is with us from Silverdale, Washington. Dave, we are talking some submarine history. We're going back to... uh, Yesterday in 1963.
1: Now, I hadn't been born yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure you had been, but this was a few months before I was born. Four years
2: earlier, yeah. Yeah. I was here. April 10th,
1: 1963, the United States Navy uh, sent USS Thresher, which was our brand new. It was the newest atomic attack. In fact, it was so new, they still called them atomic submarines back then. Atomic attack submarine. She was a completely new design she was actually designed around her sonar dome in the ability to track and kill enemy submarines. She was a technological, just absolutely marvel. In fact, her captain will actually complain that she's too technologically advanced. It's hard to train the sailors on this because this stuff is so far beyond what we were doing three, five years ago it's hard to It's hard to get you know around on this thing. The submarine goes to sea on april tenth she's going she's coming out of the yards, she's been in the yards for about a year, and they're going to do a deep dive test where they take her down to test depth, which I'm not going to tell you what is, but it's deep um, and and just make sure everything's working just fine. When she reached her assigned depth, there was a message to the ship that was escorting her. We're experiencing a minor difficulty. We have a positive up angle, meaning she's coming up, and we're we're in control. A few minutes later, there's another garbled message that doesn't make any sense to anybody. Uh, 900 North is what the message is, and the the escort ship starts getting concerned. Are you in control? Is, Is everything going all right? And a few moments later, at 9.18am Eastern Time, April 10th, 1963, the sonar operators aboard USS Skylark hear a sound that they know very well from World War II, which is the sound of a submarine collapsing and breaking up, and there is no further contact from USS Thresher ever again. The ship is lost, there are 129 souls aboard, and the truth of the matter is that here we are 60 years later, we still do not know what happened. We think we know, but the truth is nobody that wasn't actually there knows what actually happened. And you'll read books and you'll read magazine articles and all kinds of stuff all over the internet about, well, this is what definitely happened, but nobody knows. In fact, that's what Hyman Rickover, the, the admiral, the Navy nuclear admiral will say. The only people who know what happened were, were, are gone. The rest of us, we have no idea and no amount of speculation will, will ever be correct because we simply do not know why this submarine sank and took with it 129 lives.
2: This hour, Bill McLife, sponsored by the West Cocoa Pharmacy Service. Savings and speed, they bring them all to you from a local, independent pharmacy. Things that corporate pharmacies can't do, things Internet pharmacies certainly can't get close to, you'll find at the West Coco Pharmacy. You can see them online, CocoaPharmacy.com. You can give them a call at 321-305-6909. One of the things they do that I really like, the personalized service that you just can't get from an online pharmacy and won't get from many other places where they work with your doctor to Find the most cost-effective treatment for whatever is ailing you. And if your doctor says this is what's right for you, they're going to provide just what's right for you. Also, free delivery to most of Brevard. And the savings have been demonstrated time and time again. Sedonafil, the generic for Viagra, penny a milligram. Show me an Internet pharmacy that will match that. Again, it's the West Coco Pharmacy bringing you this hour of Bill Mac live. We appreciate their sponsorship here on WMMB. Dave Bowman with us with Dave Does History. So Rickover says, we're just never going to know. Dave, have there been, I mean, we've seen recovery efforts for other subs, and, and we talked the last times we were together over Nixon and the Russians and the Chinese and, and actually recovering a a damaged Russian sub. No effort for this, for the Thresher?
1: Well, the K-129 sank basically intact. The, the Thresher did what we called imploded. So the ship was actually crushed inward and then exploded outwards. There, There's mm. just no pieces to even pick up. That's okay. the problem. So the Navy tells us for all these years that, you know, it was painless. It was quick. The men who were there never knew what hit them. Uh, this this idea that the implosion is so rapid, it's, it's like two hundredth of a millisecond or something like that from the ship being intact to being gone. So the human brain can't even perceive it. If you jump ahead 21 years, April 11th, 1984, yours truly is aboard USS Michigan, and I'm finishing up my ship's calls, and I'm studying damage control. And what I come across in my reading is something that the Navy has never hidden. The Navy has never said, no, that didn't happen, they've never, but they don't talk about it. The thresher had been in the yards for a year before this accident. Why is she in the yards? Well, because she's the first of her class of submarines, and the Navy always takes the first ship of a new class of of, of any kind and subjects it to what they call, quote, shock testing, unquote, which is where they literally bomb the hell out of it. They drop depth charges on it. They set off explosive charges nearby. They beat the living hell out of USS Thresher. And in all of the reports, the one thing you will come across over and over again is the ship survived, but the biggest problem was unisolatable flooding. We continued to have leaks that were caused by this shock training that the Navy does to every ship, don't to every new class of ships. There's nothing unusual there. There's nothing nefarious there, but. It is noted that no ship, because of the nature of what was going on with the Cold War and the new class of submarines, no ship had ever been beaten like the Thresher had been. Then put into the yards and then sent out to test. Well, sent out to test with no
2: repairs or anything like well, that? Well,
1: no, they, they tried to repair everything, mm-hmm. but how would they even know if they had or not? That's the real question. Mm-hmm. And so you send this ship back to sea after a year in the yards with really not all that great a training, a technological marvel that the crew maybe isn't up to on, on on stuff. And then they spend the next 21 years telling us that it was quick, it was painless, they never knew what hit them, all of which was a lie. They knew exactly what was coming to them, and just like the guys portrayed in the film Ice Station Zebra they knew they were going down and they had 15 to 20 minutes of, do you mind, son? We're trying to think to try to figure out how to get out of this. And they couldn't figure it out. Now, maybe there's some reasons why they couldn't figure it out. Maybe it wasn't something that could have been figured out. We don't know. What we do know is, USS Thresher sank that day, took 129 lives, and much like NASA in 1968 with go fever, the Navy had to step back and go, Are we doing this the right way? Are we really thinking things through? Are we rushing stuff? Maybe we need to slow down. Maybe we need to fix some things. And there were some things that they were shocked to discover when they ran some tests on some other submarines. They went, oh, that doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. Maybe we should fix that. But it was also a time of national, you know, consideration with with ballistic missile submarines, and the Navy got a little bit ahead of itself, not over its skis.
2: And we continue with Dave Does History and Moments on Bill Mick Live. Take us with you on demand with the iHeartRadio app. You could win five grand for doing that.
1: Every day as a call of the day, and it could be you. Call Bill at 321-768-1240 and add your perspective to the conversation on Bill Mick Live.
2: The West Cocoa Pharmacy is this hour sponsor. Thanks to those of you who called, let me know that, uh, hey, your mic's on. Uh, there's one button when Dave and I are talking off air. It's just, you hit it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Today it didn't. So you were here in my half of the conversation with Dave. So nonetheless, there we have it. Glad you're along as Dave does history in this hour of Bill McLive. Uh, call of the day yesterday on the show, by the way, was Sean in Palm Bay. He's back in the running for it again today, as you can be when you reach out. We'll give you an opportunity to talk to Dave about this submarine history coming up in just a few moments. Dave, we are uh, in our final segment here. So the thresher, not everything was as we
1: were told it was. See how technology betrays us. It does. sometimes.
2: And, if I'd have known how to fix this, I might have been okay.
1: Right, right. <laughs> and if you had been thinking about it, maybe it, it would have been. And this is the same kind of thing. Nobody knows what happened to Thresher. We all have our ideas as to what happened, but nobody actually knows. What we do know is she sank below test depth, didn't have propulsion, and imploded and killed 129 guys. The Navy, of course, cares about this. They want to know what happened, but how do you figure it out? And, in fact, continues to investigate. In 1985, a guy by the name of Bob Ballard, you've probably heard of him, discovered the Titanic. Remember this? Yes. National Geographic and all that. What you probably don't know is that that was actually a cover mission. His search for the Titanic was actually a cover mission for his use of all that technology to investigate the USS Thresher wreck. To see if we could figure something out with all this new technology. And the USS Scorpion wreck on the other side of the ocean as well. That was actually a cover mission. Discovering the Titanic was actually a a cover mission for trying to figure out what happened to Thresher. And we still don't know. It's sobering to look at the video. It's sobering to think about. For me personally as a submariner, it is... It still scares me because, again, you know, that that scene in the movie where they're going down, do you mind, son? We're trying to think. And the realization, I still remember very clearly the moment I realized that what happened to Thresher was not quick. It was not, you know, <laughs> unexpected. It was not instant. It was 20 minutes of sheer terror, knowing that this was going to happen. And yet at the same time, still trying to think your way through it. What can we do to recover from this? And sometimes you just can't recover from things, and that's what ended up happening. It's intriguing to me that today is April 11th, yesterday was April 10th, two days back-to-back. Remind us both of the mission of the submarine fleet and of the constant danger of the submarine environment. In fact, the ocean uh, entirely. I I feel like uh, I, I say this to people all the time. The ocean is always trying to kill you. I don't care if you're sitting on the beach watching a sunset or if you're on a submarine at sea. The ocean is trying to kill you, and if you don't pay attention, it will. And it will do so without remorse. It will do so painfully, and it will do so almost malevolently. But the the truth is it's trying to kill us. And these two days remind us of both that mission and that danger. Um, We've done kind of a disservice to that film, the 1968 film, Uh, Ice Station Zebra, because they knew what it got right was they knew what was coming. And what it captures is that emotion of trying to think things through. And I often wonder about the USS Thresher. You know, did they just give up or did they keep saying to themselves, think, do you mind, son? We're trying to think. They never came up with the solutions. They never got all that right. But they, I think, and I believe that they never stopped thinking. And this week, as we celebrate submarine birthday history, we will actually toll the bells uh, for the submarines lost, and we'll toll it twice for Thresher once at our, our weekly or our monthly meetings for submarine veterans. And then in every submarine ball around the country, they will again toll the bell for all the lost boats and all the lost mens, all the lost men. And we will remember to never stop thinking until the moment when we no longer can.
2: And we'll continue let you in on the conversation at 321-768-1240 in just 60 seconds on WMMB. Continuing, Dave Does History on Bill McLeod. Dave, submariners, I think, are a special brand of folks. I don't think I've met and talked to any who don't look back on those days serving on a submarine with a great deal of fondness. They all seem to do that.
1: You know, there's a line in the... Tom Clancy, of course, wrote a lot about submarines. There's a line in one of his books where he talks about one of the characters. I think it's Jonesy, the the sonar guy. And somebody asks him, you know, do do, do you miss it? And he says, I miss being young enough to think that it was fun. And I and I kind of I kind of resonate with that because when I was there, Bill, it was the greatest job in the world. I I can't ima- I say this to people: I was born to be a submariner. And they don't really understand that because it's it's hard to explain to people. But, you know, looking back now at 60, I miss being that young to think that, you know, in my particular case, to think that I was really competent enough to do that. I'm 60 years old now. When I was 22 years old, Bill, I was the battle station's missile supervisor. My finger was on the button of 24 Trident nuclear missiles
2: and now you've handed it over to joe biden thanks
1: yeah well <laughs> you know there's that chain i train some people they train some people they train right. some people and i and i get that but sometimes i wonder at 60 how in the heck did i ever think that i was mature enough to do any of that at 21 22 23 24 years of age and then i mm-hmm. realized that you, i don't think you could get a 60 year old guy to, i mean I, I would love to go back to see on a submarine but I don't know that I could do it i physically I don't know that I could do it.
2: I'd like to go just once to see what the experience was like. I would like to experience it once it's and,
1: uh, it's remarkable i it's like being in an elevator that moves in three dimensions, but you mm-hmm. can't all you can do is sense the motion you can't see it yeah, so it's hard to explain to people i mean, it's it is a lot of fun I mean there's some there's some things that are a lot of fun with it, but there's some things Let's that are.
2: We'll talk about that if we get some time. Let's get a call or two in as we can. Line one, you're up with Dave Bowman on Bill McLaughlin. Hello. Yeah, go right ahead. Who's this?
0: Yeah, this is John from Melbourne. Yeah, John. Yeah, my father worked on the thresher.
2: As in building it or actually served on it. He helped build it. Is that right?
0: He was a pipe fitter. And he understood that the Navy had given uh, certain pressures to certain welding pipes in the thresher. And he believes that those pipes burst when they went down too far because those welding pipes did not hold under such pressure.
2: I guess that makes some sense. John, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. Dave, any thoughts there?
1: That's the general consensus, is that the silver-brazed welds didn't hold. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced of that. There's some evidence to that thought. There's some evidence not to that thought. But again, nobody really knows because all the people that were there are dead. So we, we don't know. And I hate the idea that you know, ship builders and ship uh, pipe fitters are, have spent 60 years being blamed for somebody that something that might not have been their fault. But
2: yeah, that makes sense. It does. Line two, you're up with Dave Bowman on Bill McLaugh.
0: This is me from Melbourne.
2: Yeah, Steve. What do you think, man?
0: Well, I, I was on five nuclear submarines, so I've been, been around the block too. They had me on 25, 30 years ago when the Russian submarine, I don't, it starts with an M, but it, I can remember the nickname was Mongo because it was three quarters the size of a carrier. It was just a huge submarine. And I said something at the time where they said that when they had the explosion, it was sitting in 30, 300 feet of water. And I said, yeah, but they didn't die right away. I don't care if they were testing some new sub, um, hypersonic, uh, you know, torpedo and it blew up. I said, it's still three quarters the size of a carrier. And I said, it has watertight compartments and they wouldn't let the British or U.S. since we let the U.S. or British come down and get them or help them. So they had no way to get them and they sat there and everyone goes, Oh, they died instantly. And I said, no, there's people on that thing that were in other watertight compartments when they did this because they were at battle stations, so every hatch would have been shut. And they're sitting at 300 feet water. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but most submarines are only good at 100 feet of water between compartments because you have wire rungs and stuff that goes through. It's basically like Play-Doh, hardened Play-Doh, in between keeping the seal at 100 feet. Well, if you're at 300 feet, it's going to push those seals, and you're going to slowly fill up. And they actually proved that I was correct because they found love letters written in the people's bodies in the back part of the ship.
2: Mm. That's got to be tough. Steve, i got to let you run. We're about out of time here. Dave, thoughts to uh, go along with Steve's?
1: Yeah, you the curse when she sank, and that was one of the things that that guy, that Russian submariner, and I talked about uh, quite extensively. Yeah, it look it's a it's a scary job, it's a dangerous job, and it's one that you know we we celebrate today, 123 years of submarining. I'm proud to have been a part of it. I'm proud of the people that I trained. I'm very happy with the people that trained me, and look forward to another hundred years of it with the technology hopefully not being too complicated to operate and hopefully, you know, operating safely as we go forward. And that's certainly my prayer for the future.
2: Yeah, I I can appreciate that. One more call quickly. Line one, just a little time here. Good morning.
0: Hi. um, I grew up in Groton, Connecticut, and I was in middle school when the thresher went down and a lot of my friends' uh, families and stuff were on it. You knew somebody everywhere in Groton, Connecticut, and New London. And and my family, some of my family um, worked at Electric boats; Some still do to this day. But I remember being in middle school, and my science teacher, a physics teacher, when this all happened, um, asked my class. I must have been 12 or 13 years old, but I remember. I wish he had never done this, but he asked the class first if anybody in the class had somebody that went down on the
2: pressure and nobody said yes and sadly i gotta leave it there because our hour is done dave bowman dave does history's back and we appreciate it thank you so much sir
1: i appreciate that and we'll see you next week
2: look forward to it the west coco pharmacy made the hour happen and we'll talk to you tomorrow for a wide open wednesday